this segment is uh, we we wanted to talk about dealing with multiple offer situations. So when you are selling a property right now, you're flipping a house, you're putting your house on the market, and you're dealing with multiple offer situation. I, everybody always thinks that, well, that's easy, right? You go for the highest offer. Why not? No, it's not. It's not always the highest offer means that it's the one that you should be going for because there's a lot of things to consider. So with that, we're going to be sharing with you kind of like our experience that we have seen recently with pricing, getting multiple offers. We've dealt with this a bunch of times of making sure you're choosing the right offer. So we're going to go be, be going over terms, financing, all addendums, agent fees, everything that goes into considering an offer before you take one. Because sometimes the highest could potentially be the worst offer. So with that being said, you are selling your home. You're getting multiple offers for this house, right? Let's talk about, first of all, the biggest thing that we look at is financing. So we're getting multiple offers for this house. We listed for $220. we are getting offers at $230, $240. What's the biggest difference when we get an offer from an FHA buyer versus a conventional buyer? What are we looking at? With well, those two. I mean, the two things we really look at, I mean, well, not the two things, it's just kind of things we look at is like, there is stricter guidelines around an FHA house from an appraisal standpoint that appraiser can come out there and force on the seller to make certain repairs or do certain things that a conventional wouldn't where like you can have uh, say a lot of times it rains. I mean, uh, deferred maintenance where you get some wood rot on some trim, some fascia, some boards, some just this little things that are easy to fix that just kind of appear. Right. Well, an FHA appraiser can come in there and say, um, the house appraises for 220,000, but you got to fix these wood spots first or the house is uneligible. So you, the seller is like, well, I want you, you're already through this process. So now let me go spend the extra couple grand to fix all these things, get it painted, get it ready to go. So there's more of a strict guideline around those appraisers to get the house to qualify for the prices. Mm -hmm. Another thing that uh, with an FHA buyer is they, they can't pay more than what the house is worth kind of thing to where it's like, it has to appraise for that value. Even if it's low, there's a lot more restrictions on that person to get that mortgage of what it is. Right. And the reason you have FHA programs available is it was designed by the government to help assist people by stepping in and federally backing those mortgages, the banks to lend to less credit worthy or low money down buyers to where you only have to put three and a half percent down. There's programs out there that don't allow that allow even more than that uh, or less than that and or their credit scores low. But so the federal government's coming, we want housing, we want home ownership, it's good for the economy, but the banks don't want to lend to them, or private banks, because like they're too big of a credit risk for them and we're on the hook for that, we're not, we don't have a printing press like the government does. So the government's saying, we'll back that up to where if it does default, we'll step in and make sure the bank is whole for those people. So there's, that buyer comes in, meaning they are in a less of a quality credit or cash position than somebody on a conventional loan. Right. So that's something we take into account as well. It's where you're coming with an FHA. So if I have equal terms based everything, same price, same everything, to where I will take a conventional over an FHA any day because they show they're a little more of a stable buyer. Because when you enter that contract, they're locking your house up anywhere from 30 to 45 days. 
And that is your risk as the seller that's saying, hey, the market's going up, it's going wherever it's going to need. And you're still paying the mortgage in hopes that that person does that. So you have to assume that risk. And that's part of like what it takes to be a good realtor is understanding these terms and not and being able to guide <laughs> your clients because you do have a fiduciary responsibility to your client if you're on the list on both sides. Right. But if you're on the selling side, it's like, hey, let's evaluate these offers and let's really dig into them about the prices of the terms, the type of financing and talk with the other agents to feel that person out. Cause the second they sign that contract, you're in a partnership until that thing closes and whatever they do, whatever they screw up. And if they lose that mortgage, you're at the loss because now you got to start that process over again. And I mean, that's like, if it took a whole month and they fell through the very end, that's one more month of interest. That's one more month of taxes, one more month of insurance that you have to pay. Yep. So that is a risk that you take when it comes to terms and why you really need to read through those contracts. And it's not always just the financing aspect of the piece that is uh, the type of financing you really want to look through to see, are they asking for concessions? Do they need money and assistance to buy that house? Because a lot of times uh, what they do because FHA mortgages are more expensive for the end buyer when they're getting them than a conventional one. But there's some things that you can have the seller contribute to your your closing costs, you, like your appraisals, your loan origination, your PMI, your down payments and stuff can come from the seller and saying like, hey, I'm doing an FHA loan, but I need $5,000 in concessions to do this. And a year ago, that was commonplace. You'd find yeah. a lot of houses that were concessions were normal. You need an FHA buyer with concessions. And then because basically they mean like they could not afford that house by themselves. They needed you to help pay for their closing oh, costs. Before, before you keep going with concessions, going back to the financing, why it's important is, you know, like FHA, like you say, there's not much room, even though you list your house for 200 and let's say an FHA buyer submits an offer for 220 to be competitive. You got to really look at if it doesn't appraise, they actually can't pay 220, mm -hmm. right? Where now a conventional buyer will be able to. Because a conventional buyer, right, when we're going to get into the terms, but a conventional buyer has more flexibility than an FHA buyer. And then yep. you have your cash buyer, which, of course, is a cash buyer, right? So when you're looking at the financing, you want to look at if somebody's submitting an over-ask offer like we're seeing right now in the market, you got to see, well, if it's an FHA buyer, what are the real chances that this house appraises? Because they can submit as high an offer as they want just to oh, be yeah. competitive. But if it doesn't appraise, guess what? You're, they take, can't, you're, you're they, taking the risk that you're betting, and that is your risk of – because we had that exact example. We had right. people submit FHA offers at 240, and then we had somebody at a conventional at 230 waiving the inspection. We listed at 220. So we had the conversations about that. It's like, where do we think this is going to go? And some tricks that you can use is if you were on the selling side – is to look at your market, pull your comps, because that's what an appraiser is going to do when he looks at this. Yeah. And look at houses that are further. So if you're in your active or still in your, um, haven't accepted a contract yet, you have any interactive option, look at the pending sales. Right. See what they are within a half mile, mile of you. You got to kind of work like an appraisal. And that's why it's another part of being a good agent is understanding how the appraisal process works and seeing what it can work, where it might come in at. Because at that point, it's a it's everybody's best guess of what's going to happen. You're assuming a level of risk. All those listings, call the agents, buyer and seller, and see if you can ask them like, hey, especially in the market right now where things are listed for a certain price and they usually sell higher. Yeah. Ask them like, what kind of terms did you accept? Was there a pre was a conventional FHA? Try to get a price out of them if you can and see if there's a contingency waiver involved in that to see 
is that house going to sell at a higher price? Because that is essentially what your appraiser is going to look at because they're further down the line than you are to where if they do the appraisal saying that one listed at 220 and we're listed at 220 and we have an FHL for a 240, we're evaluated versus a 230 offer. It's like, what did the other house go under contract for? If they're saying, oh, it's 235 with a contingency waiver and my house is updated compared to theirs, I'm more inclined to go to that 240 offer now because now that house has a better chance of appraising. Yeah. But if I call that same offer and it says, oh, we actually did 220, but we had to give concessions because of the repairs. So it's actually net contract values lower. Well, now I'm more inclined to take that 230 because it's a guaranteed offer versus the gamble going to that 240. So that's uh, that takes us into talking about how important are the terms when you're accepting multiple offers. So the financing is one of them because the biggest thing that financing affects are those terms, right? It's the terms. Are they going to waive the appraisal? FHA buyers cannot waive appraisals, right? Conventionals can because they can come in with the extra cash. Are they going to do a partial wave of the appraisal? You know, are they going to waive the whole appraisal? I mean, you got to see these things because all of that's going to matter. And then where else it's going to matter is when we start getting into concessions and stuff like that. When we're in this kind of hot market, I mean, we put that property on the market and they came back with their repair addendum. We looked at it had a few items. Most of them were kind of stupid. They were like, no, 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 no. Yes. Okay. This is an issue. We are going to fix that, you know, and no to the rest. You can do that. But with yeah. FHA buyers, you really can't, you know, most of the time you can't, you know, they come back with something like that. You probably going to have to fix almost everything they come back with, even the stupid little things. You know what I mean? So it's like that risk of now you got to put in more money. You got to waste time. And then it's like, well, you can't, back out now you know what i mean that's already eaten up so much time i mean now it's not as bad as before where going back on market was pretty bad yeah now going back on market people just get excited they get another opportunity yeah but you know prices might be higher now yeah prices might be higher but i did an episode a while back for um as a flipper when you're working how to work with agents because like you stated a few times already is if you're a good agent and we don't see many of those, especially when you have such a surplus of agents out there. I mean, we had somebody submit an offer on a property for, with FHA financing. We said, hey, it doesn't qualify for FHA because we haven't owned it for 90 days. And they didn't know what that meant. Oh, her re the reaction was like, what does that mean? Like, why isn't it financing for FHA? And I told her, like, well, we haven't owned it long enough. And it's like, what does that have to do with anything? It's like, <laughs> there's a law that you can't, if the previous owner has not owned it for 90 days, you cannot contract with an FHA buyer. Because that's a thing. Like, a real thing. Like, and for you sure. should know that if you're representing yeah, an like, FHA buyer. Yeah, like you should really be uh, worried, uh, knowing that and to make sure. Because if you wasted your time, luckily she called beforehand and actually read the agent remarks, which most agents oh. don't do. Right. And Because uh, I put in that listing that like this house is not FHA financial until this date. And that's what prompted her to call. So they, she saved herself the time and her client's headache of driving out there loving the house just to find out like, hey, putting in the offer together, be like, oh, I'm sorry, this doesn't qualify. Yeah. Like, I know you love the house, but they haven't owned it long enough. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, those are some big items that it's not just price, right? Just because somebody's submitting a high price, it doesn't mean that that's what you're going to go for. You got to make sure because it could still be conventional. Like, we had one that was conventional, it was a high price, but they're like, while we are very confident it's going to appraise, 
we are not willing to waive the appraisal. It's like, okay. <laughs> well, it's also one of the things like it was an FHA offer. So like, oh, I have no, I have full confidence it's going to, it's going to appraise. And I just, my, my response, our response was like, BS. Yeah. It's like, I'm not confident. I'm the son. Yeah. I've been doing this for a number, like six years. Like I know it could, there's a great chance of this marketed today i don't think you could find a comp for 240 that would justify the price of that house right it's like and that's our risk and then that's one of the things we were waiting on is we were calling some of the other agents there's like two or three properties that were like if those close at prices higher than what they're listed for good terms and stuff like i have a confidence that we will price far higher than 230 right because we were larger or we were in uh, superior conditions compared to because we were fully updated and they weren't. So it's kind of like, where is your prices going to come in? And when they say, oh, we accepted 220 but are doing concessions, it's like, oh, okay, never mind then. That, like, that's not worth it. I'm going to take my the guarantee and, of the appraisal waiver. Yeah. And then another thing that I've been seeing too is if you're an agent that's representing buyers, we've been seeing buyers submit multiple offers to multiple houses mm-hmm. at the same time. Yep. Right. Where they're they're just submitting offers. They're pretty much doing what we used to do when we used to uh, wholesale or buy off the MLS is that you submit offers to pretty much every house out in the market, you know, and see which one comes back. And then you start moving on that one. So now buyers are doing that same strategy because you just got to submit like that property. They submitted an offer. You know, as soon as you say, hey, you're in the running, all of a sudden now they go see the house. So they hadn't even yeah. laid eyes on it. So this is why. But in, it actually, that actually turned out to be a determining factor why we didn't accept their offer though too. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It, it matters, right? Because it's like, if you haven't even seen the house. Well, no, I'm saying like they did go see the house, but they had the offer we accepted. We had two equal offers, 100% equal offers. I mean, every down every term and everything. But I went with the offer that went to the house first. Right. That and actually contacted us and actually saw it. It's like, well, you were just blasting offers to everybody. The, what what uh, no, had no other way to determine like they're equal offers. So it's like I I don't know, but like, well, this agent actually was more communicative yeah. and seems to fight and be really trying to get this for their client. Exactly. And so it's like, okay, so we went with them. Well, it's exactly that. If they haven't even gone to see the house, and you go ahead and accept the offer, then they go see the house and they change their mind or whatever. Well, like, one I mean, thing that's happening a lot now is people are using that. You, so by contractual law, you have three days to get your earnest money and option money to the title company. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people are using those three days as their op- as additional option period and not even submitting their option or earnest money to the title company and then backing out of the contract and not submitting it at all because they, they don't think like, is that seller really going to come after me for a hundred dollars right. or something like that or $50, whatever their option period is. Cause I mean, that happened to us once, like somebody Saw the house, highest offer, we accepted the contract, and then they backed out on day three and they're like, Oh, but they're gonna send mail you their option money. Sure they are. Yeah. And they might, but it's also but it's like, hey, in today's market, for a hundred dollars to be throwing contracts out everywhere, it's almost worth it. Right. Where it's like, I need to get a house, so I'm gonna start sending blind offers and use that addition that option period as my time frame to say like even if I win the contract, I'm going to go see that house. It costs me 250 bucks, especially if they're in a good cash position. It doesn't happen in the sub 200 price point mm-hmm. at all because usually they don't have the money to do that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but I could very easily see that happening in these higher price points of like three, four, five, six, seven hundred thousand. Where if you're buying a seven hundred thousand dollar house, you're not living paycheck to paycheck. So, and then the next thing is also when you're having multiple offers and you are having a lot of offers that are kind of apples to apples and everything. Wouldn't you say that it's probably start 
negotiating maybe the buyer's agent fee at this point. Maybe instead of doing a full 3%, you'd negotiate, be like, look, I have a lot of offers. You're willing to drop your, your you know, agent fee down to maybe 2%. We'll go ahead and go with yours. I mean, well, I see some agents already doing that on the initial right. contract where it's like, hey, I know you have it in there for 3%, but I'm willing to take down 2% on my commission to get my buyers in there. Because that's the other aspect of it too, to where if your buyer's capped on a mortgage, they're like, hey, their max is $250,000. That's the best they can put forward. But I'm going to go ahead and lower my commission from 3% down to 2% because that's going to net the seller more money. And I have 250000 that's $2,500 additional dollars that are guaranteed cash right. to them to where it's like, hey, now that makes a more a better offer for them to where I think it's smart from a buyer's perspective to where not be like, oh, I just want my 3%. Like your job is to get your client that house to where if you're in a competitive market, go in saying calling those agents. Like that's what I would do is like call those agents like, hey, I'm submitting an offer. I'm actually going to lower my commission to net your client more money to put my buyer in a better position because they're kind of maxed out on them. This is the max they can do on the loan value. I'm willing to take less of a money because it's also one of the things we talk about. Like, do you want a hundred percent of zero or do you want 50% of 50? This kind of things where like yeah. that might be the determining factor. And it's also like we tell you, like if you can win over the other agent, you're, you're, you're in a much better position to win that contract. Like if I'm representing somebody, which I don't do very often, but when I do, it's like, I do call those other agents. I do try to fill out that agent to say like, if you're talking to eight, nine, 10 different agents, I want you to remember me. Right. Uh, or like you're looking at eight, nine offers. I want you, when you roll across my name for that buyer, like, oh yeah, they did call me. Because now I come to front of their mind, that might be that determining factor. If you have two equal contracts, to like, I actually talked to this guy and I like this guy. Because from the agent perspective, I don't have to work with you for the next 30 days. Yeah. Through the option, through the inspections, through the appraisals. And if I can see a good working relationship, it's like, I do I want to gamble with this other person? Or do I want to go with this, the person I've already talked to? And contractually, they're equal people where that's how it gets it done. Well, and then one of the things that you do a lot, and this is why, like we said, a lot of the agents out there are trash, but a good agent is definitely worth the money. You know what I mean? Because the amount of work, the amount of things that they're going to do, the amount of headache they're going to save you is going to be tremendous. And one of the things that I know that you do consistently with agents is not just make sure they remember you, but you go a little bit above and beyond to help them with whatever they may not be understanding, maybe they need a contractor, maybe they need something, and you just go ahead and go above that little extra effort that now puts you way above any it other does. agent they're oh, talking sure. to. And it's like, man, but you know, this guy really helped me out. This guy was really nice. He he helped he taught me this. I didn't even know that was a thing, or he helped yeah. me here. So it as an agent, either you're in either side, like it matters that you're a good agent and that you take the time, like that agent that didn't know about the FHA rule. It's like, how are you an agent representing an FHA buyer and you don't know about the guidelines for FHA? And it, and it could be one of those things that it's like, maybe they were brand new. It was the first still, buyer. But, but they don't, when, I, when, I, when we got in real estate, I didn't know that was a thing. you weren't representing buyers. I was representing ourselves. Yeah. And, and, but it was one of the things, like I, until somebody told me about it, I had no idea, but I give oh, I give that agent uh, a kudos to the fact that they called and asked why yes. not, not saying oh it's not FHA financial I don't know why but let's go on to something else it must be foundation problems right. or something because that's what she called and asked originally was like 
does it have foundation problems? Does it have some kind of issue? Uh, like what's, why can't it go to financing until a certain date? And then that's when I told her about it and she learned. So yeah. like I give I props to that agent for the fact that she called and asked, cause it, it's one of those that if it's your first transaction, your first buyer. And the first thing you did was call and ask, like I have a, your future looks bright versus mm-hmm. somebody that's in it just for the money and then just goes after and and, and that's a things. good point right like you the agent they didn't know but at least is willing to learn is willing to mm-hmm. do the research and that is something that you know it's lacking with a lot of people they're just in it for that commission in it for the money so with that being said when you're in a multiple offer situation and i hope this has helped you is understanding all of the variables that you got to look at this is why you just don't go with the cheapest agent, why you don't go with the highest offer. Like if you don't know your stuff, you want to make sure you're working with somebody that does because these situations can be very problematic, could end up costing you a ton more money, could end up costing you the sell of the house, you know, and it's something that you must, must understand when you're doing this. We're dealing this every single day. Every time we put a property on the market, whether it's for listing or uh, a lease property, and you got to you gotta evaluate everything. It's not just who's willing to pay for it. Because right now, who's willing to pay for it? Everybody. Go to the next level. What are the terms? What are the concessions? What are the repairs? What are my chances? You know, calling the, the agents, agent, call, seeing call the, the other off, pending. Call the loan officer. Look at the term sheet yes. of the loans. It's How like, long is it going to take to close on this one? Oh. It taking this long. Is there any potential problems that could cost them to back out if it takes longer, right? I mean, the market's shifting so quickly. You probably don't want to be waiting for them to close for two months. You know what I mean? Because or the same when there's offers like contingent on the the sale of their other house. It's like those are things you got to evaluate. If it's contingent on the sale of another house, like in this market, you definitely it's like screw that. I'm not taking that shit. But in the previous market, we've considered those. Or it's well, like yeah, it's contingent. Well, okay. Well, your other house does it have an offer? Is it listed correctly? We call that agent. Like, what price is it listed? Does that make sense? Are they going to get an offer? Do they have an offer? Where along? What is, it, what is the status of your loan? Yeah. Uh, or the, their buyer's loan? Because, I mean, you're all wrapped into that entire transaction together at that point. Right. So it's something that you got to be very wary with doing that. Because even though, yeah, they put earnest money down, but sometimes it's still easier to walk away from a couple thousand dollars than, you know, to actually follow through with a purchase of a home. Right. So you got to be careful. You got to pay attention and you got to understand there's more to multiple offer situations. So and like I've said before, guys, if you want more tips like this in real time, then you got to make sure you text us and text CWTJ. That's Coffee with the Johns to 210-794-9898, where we share this stuff every day, every week. We're always putting stuff out.